Welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. We have a really exciting episode today. First and foremost, we have a brand new host in the room that we are so excited to have with us on our podcast. Uh, he's going to introduce himself in a second, but before he does, our episode today, we are in the month of June. June is Pride Month. So today, what we really wanted to do is use this platform to discuss not only how we can be allies to the LGBTQIA community, uh, but also defining what that acronym stands for and what those terms actually mean. We know that an ally is someone who is not in the LGBTQIA community, but they support and stand up for people who are. We know that when we show up as allies, we are actively working to strengthen the bonds within our own community and beyond. So whether that be one-on-one interactions with families or friends or on a larger scale. So today we're going to discuss a lot of these important concepts and really important considerations for being an ally. So before we dive in, Miguel, our new wonderful host, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, of course. So hi, everybody. My name is Miguel. I'm the new prevention educator here at Live Violence Free. Um, so a little bit about me is my name, like I said, my name is Miguel. My pronouns are he, him, his. I lived in South Lake Tahoe for my whole life, and I'm glad to be back, you know, giving back to the community. And especially with this new episode, um, how to be, you know, how to be an ally. I think it's very important just because I've had different allies in my own experience. So I think it's good to talk about this and just um, give more information on how you can become an ally to people around you within the LGBTQIA plus community. Yes. Thank you so much, Miguel. And we're just so excited to have him on board on to the prevention education department. So with that being said, Before we dive into some considerations for being an ally and before we kind of talk about what that looks like, we are going to define some terminology of the LGBTQIA plus community. And actually, Miguel will be starting us off on some of that terminology. Okay, so terminology within the LGBTQIA plus community goes a little bit more beyond, you know, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and queer. We're going to go over those words today too, but I think there's a couple other ones that we need to define and because they're not as commonly known. Um, So cisgender, we mentioned that earlier. So cisgender means a person whose gender aligns with the sex they are assigned at birth. So I would consider myself a cisgender male because I align with what I was born with the sex that I was assigned at birth. Um, Another one is the two-spirit. It's a term created by the First Nations, Native American, Indigenous people whose sexual orientation and or gender gender, sex exists in ways that challenge colonial construct of gender binary. Um, This term should not be appropriated to describe people who are not in the First Nations. So this is specifically Native Americans or any anybody that can identify as an Indigenous member. Um, if you live, if you identify between both of the genders and you are an, a Native American or Indigenous person, then you can identify yourself as two-spirited. Um, another word that I would want to go over was uh, gender identity. Um, so gender identity is how a person themselves identifies internally. So how I would identify myself, that is my gender identity. Um, And then gender expression is how you express yourself to the um, 
to the exterior, to, to the world, how you present yourself. This can look in how you do your hair, how you do your nails, the way that you present yourself to the world. That would be like a gender expression. So I just feel like those are very, um, they sound similar, but they're different. So I just thought it was important to kind of go over. Absolutely. And I think those are such great, important terms to go over because it can be very confusing for someone does, who does not have knowledge, right, in regards to the different ways that you can identify yourself or the different sexual orientations or just what the LGBTQIA plus umbrella looks like, right? And I think that's why it's so important to have this conversation, why we're having it, because it's so important to be knowledgeable, right, in regards to all these terms and how important it is to use our pronouns. And so we'll be talking a little bit more about that throughout this episode. But it's really important to note that, you know, when you look at someone you may automatically think they identify as male or female based on their looks, right? How they appear. But it's so important to not make that assumption. And so language has a significant impact on people. To be an ally and to really help, it's really important to ensure that language has a positive impact by staying current with the LGBTQ terminology and making sure that we are constantly actively asking for pronouns, right? To not just make that assumption just because someone may physically look a specific, you know, way, whether it's male or female, right? We can't just automatically assume that they, you know, identify a certain way. So the way that we could find out and specifically know is by using pronouns, right? And we don't always have to ask for their pronoun. But you know, if you start off by identifying, you know, your pronouns by introducing yourself by name and pronouns, that could help them, you know, share their pronouns where you're not having to ask. But if that is not if that does not happen, you could ask what their name is and what their pronoun are. So I think that's just something that's really important to just highlight. Uh, because, you know, it's something that we automatically sometimes as straight people just assume, right. And so we are going to dive into defining some important terms. Um, we've mentioned the term cisgender in our introduction. And I know Miguel went over it really briefly, but cisgender is defined as someone whose identity and gender align with their sex at birth, like he mentioned, right? And, you know, for example, we are all cisgender due to the fact that we identify and align with being in regards to Lisa and I being female, right? And then, like Miguel mentioned, you know, he was born uh, male and he identifies as male. And so the term cis is just an abbreviation of that term. And so it's really important to know, again, you know, what cisgender is and how it's defined. Yeah. And I really just appreciate, I feel like, you know, saying before, it's just really important to know some of these things, right? And just this education is so important. Um, And even talking about pronouns and sometimes, you know, just asking for pronouns. I think a lot of these things feel a little bit uncomfortable for people, right? Maybe they're unaware, you know, should I ask someone for their pronouns? Or, you know, maybe I don't want to ask what this term means because that means I don't know it, right? And I don't want to seem, you know, close-minded or anything like that. And I think, you know, it's, it's just really important. We're appreciative of every, everyone listening today that's here to gain more knowledge. Um, but mm-hmm. starting off, I just think it's really important, you know, if you are not sure, um, and we'll talk about in a little while, you know, kind of how to ask appropriate questions. But yeah, we just really encourage everyone today to just be a little bit more mindful, right? And kind of willing to explore some of these things, right? Ask for those pronouns, because, mm-hmm. you know, if it's something that's seen as maybe strange to ask what someone's pronouns are in the introduction, 
you know, it's really only strange because we don't do it very often, right? And if we all started doing it, it, it wouldn't seem abnormal, right? It'd be a, it would be a comfortable way, you know, alongside even mm-hmm. like a handshake, right, of just how we introduce ourselves. So I think that's a big thing for us. Just keep in mind as we're going through and learning some of these terms, right? We don't have to have them all memorized, but um, I think just in a way, if we're willing to just kind of open up and engage and just take in this new information, that way we're primed with it, right? I think that's a great place to start. So other than the terms cisgender, we know there's a lot of terms out there, and of course, we're not going to define them all today, but we are Mm -hmm. just at least going to start with that acronym, right? LGBTQIA. Um, Interestingly enough, before we did this episode, I was actually talking with some family, um, and my mom, you know, I asked her, I said, you know, are, are you aware of like what all the letters mean? And she said, honestly, no, you know, she started off, she knew the first couple, but you know, the I, the A, she's like, I, I honestly don't know. Um, so yeah, we thought this would be just a really great thing to go over. Again, we're exposed to this acronym a lot. And so we are going to start from the top. So the first letter in the acronym is L. And the L stands for lesbian. So this is a term for women who have physical, romantic, and or emotional attractions to other women. And it's important to know that non-binary individuals can identify as lesbian as well. And kind of just to add on to that, I feel like there's also, um, you know, if you're a trans woman, you can also be a lesbian as well. So if you identify in any form as a woman, um, Absolutely. That would categorize yourself. And if, you, if you're okay with expressing yourself as a lesbian, then you would be considered a lesbian at that moment. Um, and then the next one is G, um, my favorite letter of the acronym. Um, <laughs> so the G is an acronym that stands for gay, uh, which is an adjective used to describe people whose physical, romantic, and emotional attractions are to people of the same sex. Um, So this is, I feel like a lot of people um, think that this is only for men, but this can also be used for lesbians. So anybody that has an attraction to the same sex, you can can use the word gay. um, And I think it's a good word, just an umbrella term where it's, you know, same sex individuals, if you like each other, you know, you use the word gay. It's It's good for men and women. Awesome. And the next letter we'll be going over is the B in B stands for bisexual. This really just speaks to a person who has the capacity to form a physical, romantic, and or emotional attraction to those of the same gender or those of another gender. So people may experience this attraction in differing ways and degrees over their lifetime. Bisexual people don't need to have a specific sexual experience to be bisexual. Um, in fact, they don't need to have any sexual experience at all to identify as bisexual. It can come down to that attraction alone. I I just love already just thinking about these terms and how it could just be very personal, right? It could just be... Um, there's so many ways in which someone can personally identify or apply these terms just within what they're comfortable with. And so I'm going to say that even before we get to the end of this list, I just really appreciate the levels of inclusion that, you know, a lot of these terms just really encompass. I just feel like it's always changing. So you can start out as being one thing, but, you know, as your life goes on, you're evolving, you're changing, and it could look very different. So this is why I like about, you know, like you said, it's very personal. It's very, you know, what you're in that moment. So, and it's up to you. If you decide to identify yourself as gay, lesbian, or bisexual, that's that's what you want to, and it's very personal. 
I love that. Yes, absolutely. Right. I mean, because we, we all evolve as people, right. And I think just culturally too, our acceptance, our understanding, our level of inclusion with even, you know, respecting and honoring some of these terms, right. It just makes sense, right. That, um, you know, there may be a lot of different experiences out there throughout someone's lifetime. And Mm -hmm. now we are, yeah, making sure we have all these different terms and ways that they can self-identify. And so moving on, we are at the T in the acronym. So the T stands for transgender. So this is an umbrella term for people whose gender identity and or gender expression differs from what is typically associated with the sex they were assigned at birth. So people under the transgender umbrella may describe themselves using one or more of a wide variety of terms, including transgender or trans. Many transgender people are described prescribed hormones by their doctors to bring uh, their bodies into alignment with their gender identity. Some may undergo surgery as well, but it's really important to know that not all transgender people will take those steps, whether that be hormone treatments, uh, hormone therapies, or surgery. And it's really important to also understand that a trans identity is not dependent upon physical appearance or those medical procedures. And so again, thinking back to cisgender, right? Um, all of us in the room here today are cisgender. We align with the sex we were assigned at birth. JC and, and I align with being female. Miguel aligns with being male. Um, and so I think, you know, I've had conversations with people and they have a really hard time understanding transgender. And it comes down to, well, you know, why wouldn't you want to be what you were assigned at birth, right? It just makes sense. and. I always, my argument kind of goes to, well, I can only imagine, like being a cisgender woman, I I can't imagine if now in this body, I have the exact same personality, the exact same thoughts, interests, everything about me, but I looked down and I was in a male body, right? Like I can't imagine what that feeling is like, but, um, you know, I can only imagine, again, this is my privileged cisgender mind talking. I can only imagine that that might feel very similar, right? For someone who is trans to look down and think like, this does not add up for me and this is not who I am, right? And so this is um, just something I, I think, you know, lately too, there's been a lot of conversation around trans identity. Um, but yeah, so really important that we do understand not only how we define that, but also those really critical kind of elements too, right? That, you know, this individual does not need to, um, undergo the surgery or take hormones to be a trans person. It's really just that feeling of, you know, my sex at birth is just not who, not who I am. Absolutely. I think just kind of having like empathy. I feel like that you may not fully understand what that is, but just being empathetic and just, like mm-hmm. I said, putting yourself in a, a similar situation, which we, I feel like we can always do that, is important to just be empathetic. Because right. um, I, I feel like it must be hard. I, I'm not trans, but I feel like it sounds like it must be hard to just, like you said, see what you see in the mirror isn't what you, how you feel or how you think. Right, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's important to just highlight yeah, like you mentioned, being empathetic and being kind, just like how we speak on survivor situations, right? Like we, there's never a situation where we can clearly say we understand because we cannot understand what they're experiencing, right? That experience is their experience alone. And so I feel like when it comes to the LGBTQIA community, it's the same thing where it's like, I cannot 
tell someone that's part of that community as a straight woman, you know, that I understand what they're experiencing, right? Or that I could even imagine what they're experiencing. But, you know, what I can do is be supportive, be kind, be um, inclusive, right? And so I think that's something that we should all model and practice at a daily basis, you know, and we'll be talking a little bit more about what that can look like and how we can be more inclusive. Okay, so let's get back into the acronym. So the next letter in the acronym is Q. So the letter Q actually has two different definitions. Um, so the first one is questioning. So somebody that may not know their sexual orientation or their, or their gender identity, they're still kind of questioning whether they are or they're not. You can use the word, you know, that can be your your letter. Um, and also you can use, the Q can also stand for queer. This adjective is used by some people whose sexual orientation is not exclusively heterosexual. Um, so me being from the LGBTQ community, I usually use G, which, you know, gay, or I, use, I, you know, now I'm using the word queer just because it's not, it's everything but the heteronormity. So the heterosexual component of it is that I don't identify with that. So for me, queer is just more of an umbrella term. If I don't want to be specific and letting you know, like, oh, I'm gay. I can just say, you know, I'm queer, and it's just an empowering word. It used to be a very negative term, um, but now we're, you know, we're taking it back and we're using it to empower others to be, you know, if you're not, if any of the other words don't really apply to you, but you, this one feels more comfortable, then you could use the word queer. Um, and within this term, there's many other terms like, you know, gender queer. Um, to describe the gender identity and gender expression. So if you if you express yourself in a very non-heterosexual way, you know, this term can apply for, you know, those individuals. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Miguel, for going over that, the cue. I think that's really important and um, to be mindful of as well. And we'll actually be moving into our next letter, which is I, and that stands for intersex. You know, this specific term describes bodies that fall outside of the male and female um, binary term. And so there are a variety of situations and circumstances where individuals are born with reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't fit the traditional male or female archetypes. And so this happens quite commonly. Um, it is estimated that about two in 100 individuals born in the U.S. are intersex at birth. So two in 100 individuals. So perhaps someone is born with genitals or sex organs that fall outside the traditional male or female categories, such as a person born with testicular tissues and or ovaries or possibly a combination of chromosomes that are different than XY or XX. Being intersex is a naturally occurring variation in humans, and it isn't a medical problem. So therefore, it's really important to know that medical interventions like surgeries or hormone therapy on children usually aren't medically necessary. What happens is most of the time when a baby is born intersex, doctors and the family pretty much decide on a sex, right? Whether they want their child to be male or their baby to be male or female, and then they raise the baby as the gender expected of that sex, right? And it's pretty common for surgery to be done on the baby's genitals and also for 
the child to be given hormones to make them fit into male or female categories as they go through puberty. So whatever, you know, um, hormone, whatever they were chosen, they have chosen the child to be in regards to their gender, whether it was female or male. And so um, I actually watched a pretty awesome documentary in regards to this and how, you know, parents have chosen maybe their child to be male, right? And so they may have kept those testicular tissues, but as the child grew up, they did not identify as male, right? They felt more of like a female and it talked about, you know, pretty much all the challenges they face in regards to that. Right. And also just even knowing that their parent, you know, or parents chose what they wanted their, you know, um, gender to be in regards to making sure that, you know, they were raised as male, you know, buying all male items, identifying to their child as male. And so it really talked about the challenges for this individual in regards to how they felt growing up as a specific gender that was pretty much chosen for them as a child and them not feeling like they identified to that gender. And it was actually something that was so powerful, I think, and impactful. Um, and it's just really important to be mindful of, right? Um, and I think just as an adult and as a parent, you know, knowing that this does happen, right? Like we mentioned, two out of a hundred individuals. And so, you know, if it's a situation like that, it's like, what do you do in a situation like that, right? How do you choose for your child how they should identify themselves, um, you know, as a baby? Because you're making that decision for them when they're a baby. So it's not like they can tell you. Um, and so it really talks about, you know, all these different situations where there were parents that allowed them to choose, right, as they got older, if they wanted to identify a specific way. Um, and then if they wanted to keep, you know, uh, pretty much both organs, right? Both sex organs. And so it was such a great, I think, impactful documentary. Um, and I will actually provide the information to Lisa so she can link that below. But I think it's yes. really important for us to just be aware of that and what that may look like. And again, you know, we will never fully understand, especially if you are a straight person. Um, and even if you're not a straight person, right, you may not fully understand, you know, if you're not transgender, um, or if you do not identify yourself a specific way under the LGBTQIA umbrella. But it's so important, I think, to just gain that knowledge, right? To at least kind of even gain and grow that empathy, right? In regards to like, yeah, wow, that would be hard. I, you know, like I can't imagine being in that situation and having to make those decisions. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought it was very interesting. And I wanted to add that last note um, because I think, again, like I mentioned, so important for us to educate ourselves and to just kind of try to gain some type of knowledge of how that may look like. Absolutely. Adding on to what you were saying, I'm part of the community and even, you know, in being intersex is such a complex topic just because it's so, there's so many different ways to be intersex, you know? I was trying to look it up to try to get it right. uh, mm -hmm. with like a one definition and there isn't a one definition because it looks very different and it has that biological component, yeah. which I'm not a doctor. I've never been good in biology. So a lot of that stuff I'm like, confuses me. So I'm just like, but just <laughs> right. being aware that there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's something huge, you know, we're all different. So this is just another mm -hmm. way that we're different. That's, that just makes you unique and makes you be who you are and live your authentic life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and I appreciate that whole um, addition. I would, you know, I'm, we're absolutely going to link that documentary below. I would like to check out that documentary because, mm -hmm. yeah, I think, you know, you spoke a lot to we can't know the experiences of others. We can't, right? We can try our hardest to imagine and put ourselves in those shoes, right? But I mean, but that's really all we can do. And it takes us being willing to utilize that empathy. And again, as much as we cannot feel what it is like to be trans as cis women, or, you know, um, just going through everyday life and navigating my life as a gay woman or a queer woman, or however I would identify, you know, being a straight cis woman, I don't have those experiences. But is it important to try to yeah, tap into that empathy and you know just really understand to know um, you know some of the realistic definitions and the realistic picture right and the realistic um, life right of a lot of people within the community asking those questions and really being willing to sit and, and listen to those shared experiences yeah it's so important right and it really mm -hmm. um, it, I think it just really helps us in being an ally but also just providing support to other people in our community right um, you know no matter what, no matter where we are, no matter what time in history it has been, the LGBTQIA plus community has absolutely um, existed right alongside of the cis straight people the entire time, right? And so, yeah, extremely important that we do our due diligence and use our platform and our privilege, especially as straight cis women mm -hmm. on this end of it, yeah, to educate others and to make a point that we yeah, support and stand by, right, as much as we can this community in whatever way that looks like. And knowledge is just a beautiful first step. And so the last letter in the LGBTQIA plus acronym, uh, although we know there's a lot of other um, ways of identifying, right? We'll go over one more actually, but the last letter in this acronym is A, which stands for asexual. So being asexual can mean a lot of different things for different people. Um, our overall way of kind of defining asexual is someone who experiences little to no sexual attraction to others. So it's really important to know that this is very different, first and foremost, from celibacy or abstinence. Uh, we define sexual attraction as finding someone sexually appealing and wanting that sexual contact with them. So although asexual people may not feel or experience that sexual attraction with others as much, they may experience other forms of attraction. So the other forms may be romantic attra attraction. So romantic attraction could include that closeness and that connection with somebody else. There's aesthetic attraction, which is being attracted to looks in a way where you might find someone beautiful, uh, compelling and attractive, although it's not that sexual attraction. Some may experience a sensual attraction, so maybe wanting physical touch from someone that's non-romantic, maybe hand-holding, cuddling with someone. Platonic attraction is also pretty common. This is instead wanting to be friends instead of romantic partners. And lastly, there could be emotional attractions. So wanting that deep emotional connection, right? Really knowing each other on a deep level, really sharing and, and you know, um, getting to know that person. And so asexuality, this is a huge umbrella term. Um, and it's really a spectrum. There's so many different levels of asexuality. Um, for example, um, there's some asexual people that do develop sexual attractions in specific circumstances. So someone may have a, developed a deep emotional connection with somebody and then in terms of that, um, created that sexual attraction, whereas other asexual people may not experience that. 
So this term really does mean something different for every individual. And that's why it's really important to have conversations, especially if maybe your partner um, does identify as asexual and maybe discloses that with you. Super important, right? To obviously have those conversations and discuss what they're looking for and what they're comfortable with. So now at the end, um, we have the plus sign um, at the acronym because we know that these are certainly not the only identities that exist. Um, so one of the what more that we that we want to introduce is you know pansexual. Uh, so pansexual is defined as someone who does not limit their sexual choices in regard to someone's biological sex, gender, or gender identity. Someone who is pansexual can find attraction and love regardless if that other person is the same gender, opposite gender, or transgender. Um, so the plus is just, it just, I feel like throughout this whole podcast, we've been talking about how it's very personal and very intimate, the way that you want to identify. So that, that plus just gives you that room to be whoever you want to be at whatever time you're in, in that moment. So the, the plus is just very inclusive, that there may not be a term yet, but you know, at least you have the plus sign, which gives you that that space to be visible and to be who you are, even though there's not a term for that yet. I love that so much. I again, yeah, I just love speaking back to the level of inclusion throughout all of this, right? The level of, you know, no matter what, there's going to be a term or there's space, right, for something yes. to come up and exist, whether or not, you know, you end up defining that yourself or, you know, that's a cultural thing that maybe you really identify and feel connected with. But yeah, I think it's just really, um, it's really awesome to just have this level of inclusion, right? I think identity, it, as human beings, that's what we all want, right? We want to be able to, mm -hmm. you know, know who we are and, you know, knowing who we are and kind of why we're here, that's like the existential question for humans. And so I think, you know, especially in a society that has um, really not been open and kind to the LGBTQIA community, um, you know, and even through now there's been change, but I can say there's a long ways to go. And so I think even, you know, just looking at these words, I mean, for someone who may be um, straight and cis, maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal um, that we have these terms, or maybe, you know, I, I've also heard that kind of like other handed argument of like, there's too many letters and all of those really bananas insulting statements that I hear um, kind of speaking badly about, well, now they just keep adding letters on. I remember hearing that one time and my heart like sank. I was like, cause what I'm hearing is, so what does everyone want to be respected in their identity now? Like outside of male and female? Cause that's just why, like, that's what I really heard, right? That was kind of like the message I heard under that. And I was like, well, yeah, everyone deserves to identify as what they identify with it doesn't harm anyone else right for someone to be able to say this is who I am and so yeah I really um again I really love that we took the time today in the space to just go over that I think for some people even going over some of those terms might have been a huge eye-opener um but to kind of just piggyback off of that that last letter um the PU for pansexual um Many of our listeners out there might be familiar with the show Shit's Creek. It was a really popular show, um, one of the, a Canadian show, but it was fantastic. It did, I mean, awesome here as well. It's on Netflix. If any of you want to check it out, it's pure gold. So please go watch Love it. it. Love it. Love yeah. that show. 
Yes. I mean, the whole thing is fantastic. But um, one of the most beautiful scenes, I think, in that show, uh, because the main character is a pansexual man and he identifies as he him, but he's pansexual. Uh, and at first they don't, they don't disclose that first. Right. And so in the beginning of the show, um, he ends up meeting a girl, they become really good friends and, you know, they almost seem like they're just kind of on a friendly level. Um, they end up, you know, kind of being romantic with each other. And she had assumed that he was in the LGBTQIA community to some degree uh, before they were romantic. So after they got romantic with one another, they're in a store together. They're actually picking out wine. And the way that she asked him about his sexuality, I think was really beautiful. And the answer was so beautiful because she said, um, you know, again, as they're picking out wine, she said, you know, um, I only like red wine. And up until the other night, I only thought that you liked red wine too. And he immediately understood, right? He understood, oh, you're talking about men. Men is red wine. I get it. And he said, oh, he said, well, I do like red wine, but I also like white wine. <laughs> and, you know, I also like Chardonnay. And one summer I sampled a Merlot that used to be a Pinot Noir, right? And so it was like this beautiful. <laughs> and he said, I like the wine and not the label, if that makes sense. And I thought that was such a beautiful explanation, right? And just way of really describing pansexuality, that it's not what's on the outside. It's kind of like, you know, I don't care how you identify, what gender, if you have, you know, changed or, you know, aligned now with the gender that you're comfortable with instead of the one you were born with. None of that matters as long as I can feel that connection to you. And so, and I know, again, I just love that show. So I've done so much like nerd work, like listening to interviews and behind the scenes. And um, I saw a lot of beautiful interviews with them talking about how, you know, parents and children alike were writing into the show and saying, thank you so much. You know, my daughter's in the community. Um, you know, my son is pansexual and just hearing that, right. Or having that be on TV and explained so beautifully really has like shifted the way, right. That maybe we see these things or that people have interacted with us or just showed that like, there's this level of inclusion and we're being represented in a really appropriate way. And so I loved that. I loved that definition. So I definitely wanted to include that here. And yeah, again, if our listeners out there have not watched Shit's Creek. I do recommend it. It's <laughs> one of my, my favorite shows. And yes, I love how you absolutely. said representation because I feel like nowadays there's so many shows out there um, that I'd love to see because there is that representation of lesbian, gay, and, and in a positive way too. Because before there was representation and it was a very yes. negative term that if any youth would see that, it would be like, I don't want to be that because then I get treated like that or you're represented in a very negative way. So just the right. fact that there's so much out there. Because right now, I mean, I'm all about gay shows. So I watch that all the time. Like that, I, And it's because of that representation that I can see a positive message, you know. So I just love these new shows yeah. coming out with, you know, very well-developed characters that aren't heterosexual or cis, you know, cis people, individuals. So... Mm-hmm. absolutely definitely it's a must watch it's such a hilarious funny show um and i feel like you're constantly engaged throughout the show and episodes so definitely take a look so now that we have a clear picture of what the acronym stands for let's discuss some ways that we can best practice being an ally right for the lgbtqia plus community and so i think it's really important just to highlight you know that 
if you are a straight person, for example, you know, I, as a cisgender straight woman, um, I am experiencing a sense of privilege, right? I am privileged in a sense where I'm not facing discrimination because of, you know, how I identify myself, um, or I'm not experiencing any type of, you know, hate slurs as a straight woman, or even, you know, a specific type of bias, you know, at work, at a workplace or just in public. And so it's super important to be aware of your privilege and to also not just be aware of your privilege, right, but use that as a way of being an ally to the LGBTQIA plus community. And so we are going to discuss that a little bit further. So firstly, when it comes to being an ally, it's really important that we recognize how negative social stereotypes and unconscious beliefs can cause harm. We know that in our culture, there are still extremely negative attitudes and assumptions that exist, right? And so maybe we recognize that we have our own stereotypes and biases towards the LGBTQIA community. Um, And so it's really important to start that inner work to change that narrative, or perhaps we are more aware of the actual experiences and challenges the community may face. It's super important to acknowledge um, that first. And then next, we can intentionally be inclusive and avoid making assumptions about others' identities, like we mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, right? Um, So that includes not assuming someone's gender, sexuality, asking for someone's pronouns, and then honoring that as well. It's super important to promote diversity in your workplace also. um, And the way that you could do that is, you know, by adding your pronouns on your email signature or during meetings when you're introducing yourself, like I mentioned, introducing yourself by name and pronouns. Yeah, I love it. It's such a simple thing we can do, right? And maybe to some that doesn't seem simple, but I mean, I think just updating maybe your little, um, your name on the Zoom call, right? From your name and just populating your pronouns at the end. Yeah, Mm -hmm. adding it into your email signature, right? Or just taking that extra second in an introduction. My name is Lisa, my pronouns are she, hers really doesn't take much time or effort, right? Um, And that that is just such a big one. Um, I've just... I feel like culturally, just in life, right, I've, I've heard a lot of the oppositional argument against um, just honoring different pronouns. And I mean, it just, for me personally, I, it frustrates me because it just does not take a lot of time or effort to just be respectful instead of kind of blatantly disrespectful <laughs> towards somebody else. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where, again, I, I can't, I don't have the experience, but I can try my hardest as, again, um, a straight cis woman to put myself in the shoes like I cannot imagine if I was in a conversation with somebody and me identifying again being cis and I identify she her if someone was like continually calling me sir in a conversation like I would be and after correcting right like oh like it's Mm -hmm. it's she right if I was doing that all the time like I can't imagine and again this is being spoken from a place of privilege like I can't imagine what that would feel like right like constantly like I'm not a man, please stop calling me sir. That's not who I am. And so just thinking about that level of just disrespect and, and discomfort, um, again, and it's only, I mean, amplified, right, within the LGBTQIA community, which is already marginalized, right? And then you add that layer, I can't imagine what that feels like. And so again, 
pronoun usage. Um, you may feel like it's complicated for you or something that's new or different or you don't want to mess up. But if you're trying your best, right, at just asking those questions, it's going to seem a lot more respectful than you, yeah, assuming, right, and maybe saying the wrong thing and saying it multiple times, right, and putting that person through that. Like that example that you gave about the pronouns, um, how you would be frustrated when they, like, if they would call you the wrong pronouns, I was thinking about the names, you know, how many times have you been in the classroom where they call you by the wrong name, or they call you by, like, a similar name, and they continue I mean, it's not your name, but it's just, it bothers you. I feel like we've all been mis, like our names have been yeah. mispronounced or just, it has to been the same. They call you Miguel or like, my, like just different stuff where it's like, you know, where, yeah, you, you, like, you know that that's just, yes. especially when you've told, you corrected that person. Yes. You're like, that's so not right. Like we've all been, <laughs> yeah. there's that experience that I feel like many people have experienced that, that name. So it just bothers you. And if you're correcting that person, just imagine how much more it'll bother you that he continually choose to use or mispronounce your name. Right. And again, with all that complexity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, so I also want to, so I also want to talk about, you know, allies. So being an ally, somebody that's not within that same community, right? So I am in that community, so I wouldn't consider myself an ally because I am in that community, right? But with somebody that is an ally to me, it like we've been talking about privilege so just that privilege that you do have as a straight cis person sometimes other people may relate to you in that level where they they are straight you know this is coming from a straight person and you have that space in that room where you can speak about these these topics right these topics that affect other groups like the lgbtqia community so just that privilege can go a long way because you're in spaces that many LGBTQ community members may not be in, such as using your platform and using whatever tools you have at your disposal and speak about these topics and can help support and just give shine more light on issues that are, you know, specifically targeting, you know, LGBTQIA. So yeah, so I just think it's important to just kind of like highlight that, you know, being an ally to somebody that's not in the community, but is willing to support and give, you know, give that space to these identities that many people look over or don't give them that space because you are in spaces that maybe, you know, not a lot of trans people are or not a lot of queer people are in. And it's good to just kind of spread that message. Absolutely. Different access. Yeah. Different access for straight cis people. Another important consideration and allyship is educating yourself. So really just by being here today and being part of this episode, right? And listening in and wanting to educate yourself more. And so it's really important to say that we can't say we are a true ally for any marginalized group unless we have done the work to understand as much as we can about the community and their complexities and issues. And so it's really important to remember that it's not up to the LGBTQIA plus community to educate us entirely. It's really important for us to avoid just specifically leaning on someone that we know that is part of that community, right? To kind of educate us on everything or putting kind of that responsibility on them. It's really important for us to see that person as an individual that is part 
of the LGBTQIA, but not the spokesperson for the whole entire community. Um, it is great to really just ask respectful questions, right? Um, to be curious and ask a, in a sense for you to educate yourself or to see how you can better support them, right? And so some of the questions that you can ask is, what was that like growing up for you? You know, what can I do to support you? And the next tip is also, uh, also share what you learn. You can educate others on the things that you know and understand on the knowledge and information that you took time to learn, right? In regards to the LGBTQIA plus community. And so it's super important for you to consider um, opportunities for you to be able to share your support. Also, you know, being part of maybe pride group or an ally group, um, you know, and it can be as simple as you having conversations with family, friends, um, peers, or colleagues, right? Or even sharing something on social media in regards to how people can educate themselves about the LGBTQIA plus community. So it can be simple steps like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think social media is a really big one and a really um, tangible one for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. It's Sometimes it's really easy to find, you know, like really great articles or really great campaigns, um, awareness months and things going on. And even if you're just re-forwarding that, right, even not even putting your own personal opinion, but just forwarding that, right? So it's getting shared off into space. I think, yeah, it's just an easy way that we can yeah, help promote um, positive messaging, help promote inclusion. And so that being said, the last tip that we are going to share out today is to really be willing to listen to the experiences that are shared with you um, and trying to do this without giving advice or making assumptions, right? Because again, um, me being a straight cis woman, walking into conversations with people in the LGBTQIA community, um, I can be as empathetic as I can, but I also have an intrinsic understanding that I don't get it. (laughs) I can hear you, I can feel you, but I'm never truly going to get it. Um, And so especially, right, if I'm someone who's kind of coming into this and maybe I don't have a lot of exposure to the LGBTQIA community. So maybe this is me really um, kind of for the first time, right? Like hearing about experiences, hearing what it's like, hearing from members of the community, then it's vastly important, right? That I really give them the space and platform. Uh, Again, not leaning on them, right? Like you're not the spokesman, but whatever conversation we're gonna have, just really being being able to sit back and just listen, right? Um, It's really about getting to know um, not only experiences, but perhaps barriers, right? Challenges, things that as straight cis people, we may not have faced or have had to deal with or maybe understand, right? This kind of um, intersectionality or this oppression or this um, kind of injustice, right? That they deal with and how that shapes who they are and how the community then treats them, right? So really, really important. And another big thing, is just if we do slip up, let's say we do have a moment, let's say we ask someone someone's pronouns and let's say later on we mispronoun them, right, by accident. If something like this happens, if you're in a conversation, if you just have a slip up moment, right, whether it be with pronouns or not, really important to know that we acknowledge this, we acknowledge we slipped up, we can apologize and then move on, right? I think. I think we've all been in a situation where someone like apologized, but then continually made a big deal about something. And you're like, no, it's okay. And it almost Mm -hmm. gets a little awkward for you that you're like, can we just move on please? Right. And so definitely carry that over here. Right. If we do, let's say mispronounce somebody super important. I am so sorry. 
they said this perhaps, right? Maybe it's they, um, they use they instead of she or him. Um, you know, I'm so sorry, they, sorry about that and just move on, right? Mm -hmm. Don't make a huge deal out of it. Don't make a scene. And that's really what it's about, right? Because if we're just showing somebody that I acknowledge that, you know, even though I slipped up, I'm acknowledging that I'm doing everything I can to just try to respect you. If I don't, I'm going to be accountable. I'll say, whoops, my bad. I'm sorry. And then I'm also willing to pick right back up, respectfully place that pronoun and just move along with it. That person's going to feel so much more comfortable and so much more respected, right? Granted, they might have that little moment for them where it is a little bit uncomfortable, but if you do that and you show them like, I'm very willing to acknowledge and then correct this mistake because it's important for me to respect you, that's a really big deal, right? And so, yeah, I think we're all going to have a moment like that too. So just, just go in with that accountability. Mm -hmm. And mistakes happen. I think that's really important to just highlight, right? Mistakes will happen, but I think having the ability to really address it and acknowledge that you made a mistake and you are trying to not make that mistake again um, and apologizing can just really be, you know, can really make a difference. And I speak on this from experience. I actually mispronounced someone and I felt extremely horrible because I had just you know, experience and had gone through an amazing um, training in regards to the LGBTQIA plus and how to be an ally and, you know, how important it is to use pronouns. And when I introduced this person, you know, their pronouns were they and them, they made me aware and I introduced them as a she and her, you know, and so I felt so horrible about it. And I clearly remember just being really even afraid to just have that conversation with that person and apologize. And I did it. And I clearly remember just constantly saying like, I am so sorry. Like I know better. I just, and they were just like, it's okay. It happens. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for apologizing. It means so much that you apologized. And I just felt the sense of relief and just a sense of understanding from them. Right. That they really understood that it's, it's sometimes we make mistakes when it comes to pronouns, but it seemed like they really, you know, appreciated me addressing it and apologizing. And I will tell you, that was like a life lesson for me, you know, since then I try to be very, very careful in regards to how, you know, I identify someone and not to automatically assume how to identify them by either their appearance or just by, you know, looking at them or, you know, just knowing them. Because although you may know someone, you don't know their actual identity or how they identify themselves. So again, that's why we use pronouns, right? And that's why we constantly want to model that and ask just in case, you know, um, they maybe identify themselves differently than what you think, you know, they would. So I think, again, we are all human and mistakes will happen, but it's super important the way that we deal with, you know, our mistakes and how we move forward. And again, sometimes it can be a life lesson if we do make that mistake on how we can move forward in, in a better positive way. I love that. And I feel like if I may add one last step to after apologizing, just like commit to do better, you know, like commit to like trying to learn more mm-hmm. and, and yeah, apologize authentically and stuff, but also try to learn more about the community and actively try to search how you can expand. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, you guys are great, you know, straight cis, you know, allies, you know, you guys are like, just the way that you speak about it, I can tell that you guys under have empathy and you know want to learn more and have more knowledge than the common you know 
straight cis person in in this topic. Thank you, Miguel. <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging that we do try. You know, there's a million other things we'd like to do better, I'm sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, yeah, I think it's just and I think back to that moment when you were saying that you um, mispronoun them, right? And you felt really awful. Uh, but I think about how many times did they have that experience, but it was probably intentional that someone was mispronouning mm-hmm. them. And then afterwards, there is no apology and there is no authentic um, apology. Mm-hmm. There is no desire to do it at all, let alone mm-hmm. do better, right? And so I think, um, yeah, there's a million more ways, I think, I would love to continue to learn and show up. Um, I think this podcast today, I think I think this might be a great start for a lot of people, right? Because I think the reason why a lot of straight cis people uh, feel a little hesitant to really dive into the educational piece and really dive in, in that sense, into the allyship is this kind of this uncomfortability that I'm going to screw up, that mm-hmm. I'm going to do it wrong, that mm-hmm. it's not my community, so I don't really understand it. And, you know, it's just, it's a lot to take on and I can't, I can't do all that, right? I can't know what all the letters mean. I can't know how all the different pronouns and the terms, and it's, it's really not even about memorizing it all. It's just having an understanding and a respect for all of it. Mm -hmm. And when you encounter it, that you're like, okay, yeah, I accept, I accept this and I'm willing and able, right. To do my best to now further understand this myself and move forward. Right. And maybe apply this next time, right. Or apply this next time in life, or especially next time I see you and we interact. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, big, big shout out to the listeners out there that spent the time today, especially if you are maybe one of those people that were so unfamiliar with these terms. Maybe you are unfamiliar with the community and this was really a big first and safe kind of conversation right in the space that you can kind of just sit back and take things in um we're really proud and really appreciative um, of this big first step if that's the case absolutely and i think i just want to quickly highlight something that lisa mentioned in regards to possibly you know if you are a straight person and you're unfamiliar with the lgbtqia and you are feeling some type of you know discomfort i think that's the first sign that you know um, it's a, one, it's okay to feel uncomfortable, but two, that is the perfect sign that you should probably gain a little bit more knowledge, right. About how to be an ally. And you're never going to have a full understanding of the LGBTQIA because you're not part of that community, but you know, you do have an understand. It's important to have an understanding of your privilege, right. As a straight person. And that's where you can start, you knowing that you can be an ally, just knowing that you are privilege in the sense that you are not part of that community, but as a straight person, you can really be a great ally and really help create kind of that safe environment. Because I think that was my starting point where I have a lot of family and friends that are part of the LGBTQIA plus community. And for me, it was really important to provide a safe environment, right? And be a safe person for them, you know, when they are wanting to be themselves, because sometimes they feel like they can't be themselves in certain environments. And that's just not okay. I can't imagine being in a situation like that where I feel like I can't be myself or I am not welcomed or someone is already being biased towards me or discriminating, right? So think about that piece and just, you know, everyone deserves to feel accepted. Everyone deserves to feel included. And for me, that was a big starting point where I'm like, I want to be a safe person. I want to be able to 
provide that safe environment, you know? And so I think it's really important to be mindful that sometimes, you know, conversations like this can be very uncomfortable, but that we should find some type of comfort in knowing that this is where we should do, put a little bit more work and do our best work, right? To really kind of dive in, to gain some more knowledge and understanding in regards to, you know, the challenges that they're facing and how complex it can be. Kind of going off what you said, there's a lot of resources and I'm a big giving out resources for people that want to learn. So there is, I don't know if you can link it down below, but there's a, the Trevor Project has a manual where it's like a 101 on how to be an ally to trans and non-gender um, it's specifically for youth, but you can you apply this with the LGBTQIA plus community. So that's a great resource to just kind of start just getting that one-on-one, like, you know, what is it? What does it look like? And just there's and there's a bunch more information on there. So I would really take a look at that to just if you're if this conversation got to where you want to learn more, I would start there. And then there's a bunch more links there. But the Trevor Project is always a good a good starting part for anybody that wants to become an ally. Thank you, Miguel. Love that. We will definitely link that below um, because, yeah, we've said this on so many episodes. We are all about empowering our listeners. We are all about sharing out information, um, kind of both hands of the coin, right? We want to share out sometimes what to look out for and then what we can do. And so I think especially in this case, right, we've, we talked a lot today about how, you know, if we want to be an ally, it's really, it's up to us. It's up to us to educate ourselves and get out there and do some of this work, right? It doesn't have to take all of your time. It doesn't have to expend all of your energy, but if you're putting any time towards this, right? If you're exploring these things, I think that's amazing, right? And there's some people out there that don't do the work at all, right? And mm-hmm. so I think you even just beginning to engage, beginning to maybe look at that um, Trevor Project website um, to look at or maybe watch part of that documentary that we're going to link below. Um, any of those things, right? It's just- or your show, your Netflix show that you were saying too. Shit's Creek, right? <laughs> Shit's Creek is another incredible one. Um, and so, yeah, and listening to this podcast, right? So doing little things, it doesn't have to be like you are going to the pride parade and diving in and you're like the president of your local ally club, but even starting small, right. can make a huge impact. You just really taking in a little bit of information can make a huge impact on someone's life and the way that they feel represented, included and seen. And we all know that that's all we want as humans, right? We just want to be heard, seen and loved. That's what is the undercurrent beyond anything else. Right. So yeah, for we're doing that education piece and we're, we're really trying in that. Um, we're helping to get there. And so, again, big shout out for our listeners if you are still hanging around with us today. So what we're going to do now, we're going to go into our meditation. I wanted to take us through an anxiety meditation today. So what we're going to do to begin, we're just going to get into a comfortable seated position. And I want you to put both feet on the floor. I want you to start just taking deep breaths. I want you to feel rooted, safe, and comfortable in your seat. And once you're settled, close your eyes. Take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Take a deep breath in and out. Relax your muscles into your seat. 
On your next inhale, I want you to inhale for a count of four and exhale for a count of four. Enjoy the feeling of these long, slow breaths, allowing your body to sink a little deeper into your relaxation with every exhale. And try to keep your breathing at this slow pace. As you inhale, imagine that you're breathing in calmness, peace, and strength. As you exhale, imagine you're breathing out all of your anxiety, stress, and worry. There is nothing for you to worry about right now in this present moment. All there is to do in this moment is breathe. Feel your anxiety slip away with every exhale. If your mind drifts to feelings of worry, be mindful. Notice it without judgment and just bring your attention back to the breath. Slow inhale for four. Slow exhale for four. You are strong. You are capable. You can handle anything life throws at you. Notice how calm you feel as you sit and breathe. On your next inhale, take the biggest breath you can in and hold it for two seconds and a big exhale. Take in one last big breath, hold it and exhale. You can start to slowly come out of this relaxation. Remember to take some of this feeling of relaxation with you. And slowly just wake up your body. You can roll wrists and ankles, wiggle in your seat. Do whatever you want to to come back online. But thank you for taking that moment, doing that self-care, and enjoying those nice relaxing breaths with us. Yes, thank you so much, Lisa, for that wonderful relaxation, relaxing uh, meditation. I feel super relaxed now and ready for my day. So thank you. We hope Absolutely. all our listeners are feeling the same way. We will definitely link some wonderful resources below um, in regards to some amazing tips and considerations for being an ally. Because, of course, today we only share these small handful of important considerations, right? There, the list can go on and on and on and some great ideas on how you can be an ally and how you can practice that. 
So I just want to go ahead and acknowledge um, all our listeners for listening in today. I think this is such a great start in regards to you being an ally, right? And so definitely give yourself some kudos for being part of this conversation, for being here. And I also just want to highlight that it is so crucial that we model kindness and fair treatment and inclusion in our everyday life, right? It's something that, you know, not only is it really important for us to do in regards to how to be an ally to the LGBTQIA+, but also a great way of how to just be an amazing human being and how to make everyone feel included, right? And so try to go out of your way to be kind and always see the worth and dignity in every person. Strive for justice, for equality and compassion in human relations. And so we really hope, um, you know, we will one day live in a world where everyone is included and everyone is treated with love and respect. And so with that being said to our listeners, again, we would like to just really thank you for being part of this important conversation. We hope you'll join us for our next One Conversation episode.